0: Hey everyone, my name is Sheila, and I'm one of the leaders here at HTBB. So I've joined this growing majority of people who have now gotten COVID before, and I actually got COVID twice this year, uh, once in February on Valentine's Day and once just a few weeks ago in July. And if you've gotten COVID before, you might resonate with this. There comes this moment after you test positive that either strikes fear in your heart or total relief, depending on whether you're an introvert or an extrovert. And that is the moment you realize that you have to cancel all your plans for the next seven days or more. And for me, that typically results first in unrealistic planning for all the productive things that I will achieve with this sudden abundance of personal time. And then there comes this next very critical moment when I also realize that now is finally my chance to watch that Netflix series of my watch list. And there goes any hope of productivity. And Netflix is really so sneaky these days. Did you know that you don't even have to lift a finger to press the next button? uh, uh, To press next to, to get to the next episode anymore? It just flows on and on and on and before you can muster your willpower to close the app, you're sucked into this black hole. And I finished five seasons in my last quarantine. These days, when I pick what to watch on Netflix, I love watching series that have reached their series finale. Um, there's something just really satisfying about being able to follow through a storyline all the way from beginning till the end. It feels like there's sort of a closure um, than being always left on a cliffhanger each week or each episode. Well, the Bible is a story as well. And sometimes we can tend to view the Bible as sections or separate books, separate passages, etc. Um, And while it's important to study and understand each section and book on its own, it's also important to realize that the Bible actually has storylines and threads that run through from beginning all the way till the end. And if we don't sometimes take the time to zoom out and see those storylines, we can often miss the big picture while we get lost in the details. With the Bible, Unlike your favorite Netflix show, though, the most helpful perspective is to read by knowing first the plot climax, which is Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, and then also knowing the end, which, spoiler alert, that Jesus will come again and we will be with him in eternity. One major storyline in the Bible is the storyline that follows the journey of creation, and that is what we're going to look at today starting at the very beginning in Genesis. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Human beings through the ages, across cultures, religions and backgrounds, have tried to account for existence. In some sense, perhaps it's because innately, we realize that our own meaning and purpose predates us and understanding the beginning will lend some insight into understanding ourselves and why we're here. The Bible simply declares that the world did not create itself or come about by chance. It was created by a God uh, who, by definition, is eternal. And therefore, unlike a human who can only create things out of pre-existing material, like a potter out of clay or an artist out of paint, God's act of creation brings into existence the substance that the universe is made of, before which all of existence was non-being. The creation accounts are personally some of my favorite passages in the Bible. I find that they give me a lot of hope because they outline a world as it should be, which is also a world that we can look forward to in eternity. But then, it's not just a world that's that far into the future, but it's also a world that we can begin to experience today. Sometimes looking around, it can feel as if everything is not as it should be, but that's not the case. The creation story allows us to see parts of creation today that were actually God's idea first, which means that they are inherently good. Things like meaningful work, loving relationships with each other, and us having a relationship with God. We can also see clearer where things aren't as they should be and invite God into those spaces to bring healing and transformation. There's just so much that we can learn about God and ourselves as his creation through these creation accounts in Genesis, um, particularly chapters 1 to 3. And today we're going to explore some of these. And my prayer is really that you leave with a lot more hope and certainty that your life was created purposefully by a God who doesn't miss the details. So, in the beginning, God created, intentionally. One of my favorite things to do when watching movies is to find plot holes. I really just can't help myself. It's really not uncommon for me to lie awake after a movie pondering on something ridiculous like, you know, why didn't Cinderella's shoes, you know, change back to a slipper after midnight? And that's one of the reasons I'm so in awe at the Marvel Cinematic Universe. During the pandemic, I did a Marvel movies marathon. As you can see, there's a clear pattern here with me for quarantines and TV marathons. Uh, But for a project so huge, Marvel um, uh, designed it such that it's almost impossible to find plot holes. Every question that I've ever had could always be answered in some way. And the movies intertwine and connect with each other in such a seamless way. For sci-fi, I say that's really quite the feat and requires a massive amount of forward planning and meticulousness, not to mention a deep understanding of years and volumes of Marvel comics. But, you know, as amazing as that is, the Marvel universe is still created face by face because we as humans are only able to see so far into the future. But that's not the case with creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the Bible is really straightforward about creation, that all of existence was first conceived within God before He brought it into being. The God who sits outside of time created it all from the beginning. And let's just think about this for a moment, right? In creation, God established an entire ecosystem that is complete and will be complete until the end of time. Everything that exists is all that's needed, and everything that exists has all it needs. And as we reflect on that, it's impossible to perceive creation as anything but intentionally and intelligently designed. Many years ago, a scientist named Carl Sagan wanted to search for intelligent life in outer space, and he hoped to find evidence of this life by using a super-sensitive instrument to pick up radio signals from a distant space. And what he was looking for was order and pattern, which he said demonstrated the signals were transmitted by intelligent life. And in the same way, when we see the order and pattern of the whole universe, it demonstrates that it was fashioned intentionally, not by chance. In Genesis 1, we even see an order in which God created. You know, First, there was light and darkness. And with that light, he created time, which is day and night. And then after that, water and skies. And with the water, he created land and sea. And then with the right conditions in place came all the vegetation, which relied on the light and water to survive. And then came the animals, which relied on the vegetation. And then the humans, which relied on all of the above. And finally, he created an order. Humans were called to rule over or cultivate the world around them. And these are just the headlines. You don't have to dig very far to realize that creation has a blueprint for all of its design. I mean, just take rainbows, for example. It shows us that light has seven colors. Uh, Water and air are made up of molecules that literally sustain life. There are billions of species of animals and plants, tons of which are probably undiscovered. The human body is so complex that we are still learning more about it each day. In fact, Only in the 21st century were we able to fully map the human genome to understand the blueprint of human beings. And I was a physics major in university. And even then, before I was a Christian, I had to believe there was a creator because how else can we even have the study of physics apart from existence, having order and pattern. And I like to think because God had um, a design and a blueprint, that's why Jesus knew how to turn water to wine. And creation is not just orderly, it's beautiful. Now, I wonder if you've ever looked in awe at creation, maybe from a mountaintop or overlooking a beautiful ocean under bright blue skies. Often it's hard in those moments not to believe that there is a creator who did this. Why is the intentionality of creation so important for us to know? It's because it points to an eternal God who cares about the little details and who knows the beginning to the end. It points to a God who has the ultimate power and authority over and within creation. And it points to a God who has the answers when we don't. If we believe the truth in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, that God is big enough to have created the heavens and the earth, we can believe that He is big enough to do all the rest. The Bible says that He did and does. But how do we know that God wants to engage with creation? And that leads us to the next point. In the beginning, God created freely. He didn't have to, but He wanted to. God creates not out of necessity, but out of freedom. And how can we know this? Well, we need to think first about the completeness of God before creation. If God was not complete on His own, creation would be a need and therefore not a choice. Only if God was self-sufficient, self-sustaining, and wholly complete, would creation have been a freely made choice? Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 starts with, In the beginning, God. The word here used for God in Hebrew is the ancient Hebrew word Elohim. Grammatically, this word is a plural word, but it's used in this context as if it was singular. The verbs and pronouns used with Elohim should be in the plural, but when Elohim refers to uh, the Lord God, The verbs and pronouns are in the singular. And you might or might not have heard this term called the Trinity. Uh, This basically means that God exists not as a singular person, but in three. Uh, God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all of these three are equally God, but each also distinct. And maybe this is a little bit confusing and probably needs a sermon of its own, which actually, thankfully, Jacinta has done here in HBB a couple of months back. So please do check that out to learn more about the Trinity. But for today, what we need to understand about the Trinity is simply this. Firstly, God was in three persons before the beginning, um, before creation. And secondly, the three persons of the Trinity shared a relationship of love and fellowship with each other. We read about Jesus' relationship with God um, in in his uh, words in uh, the book of John. Um, He says, And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. That's John chapter 17, verse 5. And further down in verse 24, he says, You loved me before the creation of the world. That the persons of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have always been in a deep relation. Um, and loving communion with one another shows us that God wasn't lonely and He wasn't lacking. He does not need creation to be fulfilled as by nature He's already complete. You know, I remember some time ago, I had a, a dinner conversation uh, with uh, with my friend and her family and uh, my friend's mom was just kind of reminiscing on the days when uh, her kids, which were my friends, um, when they were young and, and they're just kind of talking about how challenging it must have been to raise multiple children. And I will always remember she she said this um, she said this to us you know she was like actually the most difficult part was deciding to go from just the two of us which is my husband my my husband and I to a family of three and I think she was mostly poking fun at her first child kind of interrupting their marriage um, but I think you know that's just kind of a beautiful way of uh, describing it she described having children as this intentional choice made between a husband and wife who love each other and feel that what they have is enough to extend to a third person, a child of their own. And in a similar but much bigger way, God's act of creation is an expression of God's self-giving nature. Creation is invited to participate and experience and enjoy in the ongoing relationship between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, just as how a child is invited to enjoy the love and ongoing relationship between two parents. As we read the Bible, we see God continually choosing to have a relationship with creation. And after all, why would he abandon what he had freely created? And so now, you know, we know that God created intentionally and God created freely, which tells us that, you know, firstly, everything about creation is rooted in God's design and under God's authority. And then secondly, while God is complete within the Trinity, He chooses not just to create, but to actively engage with His creation. And all of these, they they tell us quite a bit about God and His nature, but maybe not so much about the creation itself. How do we best describe creation, which is everything, you know, including you and me? So let's go back to the verse, you know, in the beginning, God created a work, In progress, if I were creating the universe, and thankfully I'm not, uh, my limited imagination would probably allow me to only create everything as I would see it, like painting a picture. The trees have already sprouted, the buildings already built, the human beings appear into the picture as fully-formed adults able to speak, run, think, and work from the get-go. I definitely wouldn't have embedded the concept of progress into my world everything would be stagnant and static in time. But instead, God created something dynamic, a creation that isn't fixed in its createdness. He created a world that had the capacity to grow and progress. You know, creation wasn't this primary act of creating the universe followed by a secondary act of forming and sustaining creation. Rather, all of it, Together, the beginning and the sustaining of creation is the same act of creation. And creation is still happening today. When you think about it, you know, trees grow from seeds and human beings and animals from babies and civilizations expand and technology advances and even mountains are formed over time through a process called plate tectonics. Creation is this ongoing um, work in progress even today. In Genesis 2, and let's uh, read in a moment, we read about the Garden of Eden. So Genesis 2, uh, starting from verse 4. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground. And later on in verse 15, we read, The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. God created this garden, Eden, and it was growing all sorts of trees and plants. But then it was also clearly getting a little bit chaotic to a point that someone needed to tend to it and take care of it. And that's the first indication of the kind of world God created. It needs shaping and cultivation. So then God took the man He created and He placed him in the garden and told him to take care of it. And so in the beginning, in paradise, there was work to be done. I don't know how that makes you feel. God gave the first human His first job. And, you know, we all know what first jobs mean, right? It means that we don't know anything. You know, it's a steep learning curve. It's loads of mistakes before any form of fruitfulness can kick in. And like a seed that grows into a plant, As human beings, we are created to have the capacity to grow and transform um, and expand physically, mentally, socially, and emotionally. And through our development, the rest of creation moves accordingly. Even Jesus himself, as a human, went through all the stages of development from a baby to an adult. He learned from others in the temple. We read of that uh, in the Bible. And he even worked as a carpenter. Creation by design is not intended to be an end goal or an end game. It's a constant work in progress. And it's why often things like achievements or status give us nothing more than perhaps momentary pleasure before we are searching again. God often forms us through the journey and not the destination. And the creation story tells us that we are created not as finished products, but growing beings. The journey is in fact where we come most alive. And I don't know about you, but I actually find this immensely liberating for a few reasons. You know, firstly, I feel like it, I can be present in the process without the pressure of an outcome. Secondly, I can accept that where I am today um, is where I should be, and I, I can embrace the change for tomorrow. Uh, no matter how well I'm doing or how low I'm feeling at the moment, I can know that this is just part of the natural ebb and flow of this work-in-progress world. And finally, and most importantly, I can know that God is not just waiting at the end of the line. He is in the process with us. Creation as a work in progress means that God himself gets involved in the ongoing development of his creation. But here's the thing, though. Maybe this isn't news to you. A life where we're pursuing progress is something that we're all probably familiar with in this 21st century. And maybe to a certain extent, it's comforting to know that this is part of God's design. But the danger here is in thinking that this is the full picture. That we were created solely for progress to become better and better creation. Often we can hear this word progress and we can be tempted to imagine a process of becoming more. We imagine maybe God being like a boss in the workplace, getting us to just do more, hit up more targets, earn more, achieve more. And it feels like the work never stops. And we can never be enough because there's always another stage to go through, and there's always more to be done. And there can be many reactions to this. Maybe for some of us, this is exciting because you love the chase and you love the challenge. Or maybe you just feel a little bit exhausted from trying to do more or anxious from chasing what seems like a never-ending moving target. Progress here is really not this painful, pointless pursuit. Jesus says in Matthew 11, verses 28 to 29, He says, Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. God doesn't call us to that life of chasing and striving or exhaustion, but rather, He calls us to a life of purpose. And we can know this because creation as a work in progress is only one half of the story. And the other is this, that in the beginning, God created and he said that it was good. At the end of every stage in creation, God took a step back to say that it was good. And when he finally created it, he looked at the whole of creation and he said that it was very good. And the Hebrew word here used for good is tough. We can think of the definition of "tough" in terms of functionality. When something is good, it fulfills the purpose for which it was created. And hence, God calls His creation good because all of it is purposeful according to His design. And so just as different trees grow from different seeds, it's as if God placed in each of us seeds that would grow into who we were created to be. Seeds that form eventually our personalities, our talents, our giftings, our abilities, our desires, basically everything that makes us who we are. Psalm 139 says God knitted us in our mother's womb. This beautiful picture of God stitching us together lovingly and meticulously. He really doesn't miss a thing. I just came back from the Alpha Weekend Away last weekend in Malacca. It was loads of fun, uh, had all the best elements of a great weekend trip, fun people, good food, and great conversations. Um, and during one of our sharing sessions, uh, my groupmate asked me, um, you know, why I started exploring the faith to begin with. And honestly, I had to think quite hard because this was like about almost 10 years ago, right? Um, and, I, and as I was reflecting and thinking about it, I realized that it had everything to do with this point about purpose. Um, The reason that I personally started exploring the faith was because when I went to university, I genuinely started to question the meaning of life. I remember having this moment where I was just projecting into the future, thinking um, all of my schooling years, I worked hard to get me to a good university. And now the next three years here will be about getting me that good job. And then I'll work hard in that job to earn more money to provide for family uh, and children, who then I'll ask to study hard and get good jobs. And the cycle just repeats. And probably all the Asians uh, watching this are nodding along to this storyline. And at some point, I'll just come to the end of my life and then that will be it. And I remember thinking about this, and I suddenly just felt so empty. And that led to the beginning of a journey seeking answers. And it helps that Alpha's tagline is literally, Is there more to life than this? And after a few years of searching, I came to believe that Christianity is true. And the implications of this were many, but one of the biggest transformations for me was the realization that if there was a God who created me, life simply must have purpose. And I didn't have to worry about that purpose. I didn't need to worry about tomorrow. I just need to focus on what I have today and let God guide me into the rest. Creation is a work in progress, but not as a measure of our worth, but as the working out of our purpose that God has already placed within us. So to recap, what have we learned in this account of creation in Genesis? Well, firstly, God created intentionally. He's the author of time and the architect of creation. Secondly, God created freely. He didn't need to, but he wanted to, and then he offers himself to his creation. And thirdly, creation is a work in progress. Creation is not stagnant, but dynamic, and is waiting to be shaped and formed with time. And then finally, fourthly, creation is good. We don't progress to earn our goodness, We progress in the unfolding of our purpose. But maybe at this point, you're probably thinking, you know, hold up. yo, this sounds really great, but the reality that I face each day doesn't quite match up. And honestly, it's true, you know, maybe we don't need to look very far to realize that things probably aren't as they should be. Or maybe our experience of the world is one where there is pain and there is striving and we wonder if God is present or if God was wrong in his design. And this brings us back to this idea of the storyline in the Bible. And what we're talking about here is the creation storyline. In the beginning, God created. But then in Genesis 3, we read about the account of sin entering into the world, and this is typically referred to as the fall. What sin does is that it impacts the goodness of creation. The Hebrew word for bad is Ra, uh, which is the opposite of Tav, which we said was good. So if Tav uh, was about being functional or fulfilling a purpose, then uh, Ra means being dysfunctional or unable to fulfill that purpose. And so an analogy would be of an apple. You know, A good apple can be eaten because it fulfills that purpose of being a fruit, and a bad apple can't be eaten. It's rotten and, and you can't eat it. And so in the same sense, for human beings, we can think of good as having a desire for God and for His purpose, and bad as us turning away from God's design for us, as I talked about earlier. And that's probably a truer picture of what we experience today. We know this. The goodness of creation gets tainted. We know that we mess up and we don't always do the things we want to do or the things that we know are right. And we know and experience sickness and brokenness and evil. We see that it exists in our world. The good news is that our storyline doesn't end there. Because God created, He is fully able to redeem all things as creation was first conceived within Him. And His redemption plan was to come to earth in the person of Jesus. St. Peter sums this up in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. He, that is Jesus, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. When Jesus gave himself on the cross for us, he reversed the power of sin, making it possible for creation to be restored in our goodness, and as we invite Him into our lives, Jesus redeems us. Redemption enables us to have a relationship with God and begin to experience the fullness of life He planned for us, and we can do that even starting today. Amen. Uh, i love to pray for us, and we can enter into a time of ministry as well. Heavenly Father, I just pray for each and every person uh, listening to this uh, message today. And I pray that um, you will continue to work in their hearts, uh, that um, you continue reminding them of their identity in you, uh, of the goodness of um, you creating them, as well as the purpose that you have set out before them. But now, I just welcome your presence here right now, and I pray that you fill each of us with your spirit even right now. um I have a sense that might there might be some of you who uh who heard this message and um, maybe this idea of being created by God uh, and being designed by God is something that you wrestle with um perhaps uh there's some there's, there are things about yourself that um that you struggle with that you think are mistakes or that you don't like about yourself and I feel that God just wants to assure you that he made He makes no mistake in His design of the world, and that includes His design of you. Um, And I feel that God wants to encourage you that He loves you and wants to assure you of your identity that is made in His likeness um, and that your identity is rooted uh, in Him, His design, and in Christ, and to continue to press into that in prayer with Him. Um, uh, Another couple of groups of people, maybe there are some of you who are listening to this and uh, maybe this idea that God engages freely with creation is, is, is something that you're longing for, uh, that you're longing to experience, and I have this sense that God uh, wants to assure you that He is there, that He is journeying uh, with you, uh, and as another group of people who are maybe that your experience of the world is, is that painful pursuit of progress, and you feel that um, it's a life is a constant striving, um, and uh, it's just like that verse I said earlier from Matthew, um, that God's... Uh, Yoke is easy and his burden is light. And he he, he wants you to, to surrender and, and release that uh, burden that you're carrying to him so that he can give you strength and he can take that on. And I'm just going to say a, a prayer for these two groups of people and then we're going to move on to a time of worship. So Lord, I, I pray for each person listening to this, whether they're, um, they're feeling uh, this longing uh, for you in their lives, this longing for uh, feeling your presence and feeling your guidance, um, and also for, a group of, for this group of people who, who maybe um, uh, are tired, they're, they're burnt out or they're exhausted. And I just pray that you would draw alongside these two groups and that they would know uh, your peace, uh, in this world, that they would know uh, your love and that your presence is really drawing alongside them uh, at every moment and, and at, any, at any time that they want to, they can always just turn to you and invite your Holy Spirit uh, to be in them. In Jesus' name, amen. If at any point in the week you would like prayer, you can always write in uh, to, um, you can always visit hvb.org and there's a prayer request form there for you to fill. But now we're going to move on to a time of worship.